Hello, and welcome to another episode of my Cancer Story podcast. Today, guys, you are going to meet a very special guest all the way over from the UK and London. You're going to meet Bansri Dokia. She is a leukemia survivor. She was diagnosed during quarantine at the beginning of 2020 with a very aggressive acute lymphoblastic leukemia. She is sharing her story today with us uh, regarding her treatment, what life was like being in the hospital and doing cancer treatment through a pandemic, as well as how her perspective has changed for life, for the little things, for relationships, and everything in between. She shares a lot of information, and she also advocates for stem cell registry. She'll share more about this in the episode. I've also entered in episode notes on how you can learn more on how you can donate. And I really hope you guys enjoy this. She was such a lovely woman to speak with, a young woman to speak with. Uh, I really hope you learn a lot about her type of leukemia. And I hope you have a lot to take away from this episode the way that I took away from this episode. Just learning to remember don't stress the little things and appreciate all the little things that you do have in life. Each day is a blessing and not a given. Please enjoy and meet Bonsri. Oh, yeah. All right. Perfect. So today we have a very special podcast again. Um, first podcast of November. We have Bansri joining us all the way from the UK, correct? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yay. So another international one. Um, I don't get many of them, but it always blows me away to be able to speak with somebody on another continent and internationally. So thank you for making my Cancer Story podcast more international. <laughs> Oh, thank you for having me. And, oh my um, gosh, it's my pleasure. People, you know, so thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on here and spending your evening with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's morning here over on the West Coast, but uh, Bansri is so gracious to be able to share her story all the way from across the pond. So I, um, I do my interviews. You've listened to them before mostly conversational based. And what I'll have you do is tell your story, just get it going. And um, I'll ask questions along the way. And if there's anything that I don't understand or if our, our audience might not understand, I'll ask you to elaborate a little bit more. But I am so looking forward to you, um, for you to share your story of um, ALL, so acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So yeah. on street, I'll have you take it away. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so my name is Bansri and I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia last year in July. Um, so I've actually been, I, I just passed a year since my diagnosis date, which seems surreal and it ends up going very quickly. Um, but I was diagnosed in the middle of the pandemic, um, which made it really, really difficult. Um, and I had three rounds of intensive chemotherapy followed by radiotherapy and a stem cell transplant in February this year. Wow. I'm now six months 
post-transplant um, and at home, but still going to the hospital regularly for my checkups um, and, a lot of, and still on a lot of medication. So, um, yeah, it's just been a whirlwind year, um, but I'm so grateful to have got through it and just hope that I can help others in some way and teach and educate others on how I was diagnosed, because I think um, often people don't know about it. And there are so many different types of cancers, as you've mm -hmm. shown on your podcast. Yeah. Um, that I think every, and the experience with the, each um, cancer diagnosis is so different. Yeah. It, and it is crazy. There are some people that have reached out to me and told me their type of cancer. And I was like, oh, I, I don't yeah. even know this exists. So exactly. I like, I have to research and, yeah. and for you to have been there and have gone through this process to be able to educate people out there who may not be know to look for these signs and symptoms is huge and paying it forward is incredible for you to share your story with us. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, you said it's been a little bit over a year since your, with a feather, since your diagnosis, um, how, how did it start? Like how, um, what kind of signs and symptoms, what made you go get checked up? What were you feeling like? Yeah, sure. So I think for a few months last year, at the start of the pandemic, I was starting to feel really fatigued. Um, and it was, it was tiredness like I never felt before. Um, and I was just sleeping for hours on end. I was, I couldn't actually carry out many of my usual activities, um, such as my usual exercise that I would do, or even concentrating at the screen. Um, when I was working from home, um, started to get really difficult. So at first, I think it started with the fatigue. Um, and then I started to get quite bad migraines um, and headaches. So um, I think I just knew something was wrong. Um, another symptom I had was I was getting out of breath quite easily. So even walking up the stairs or um, going for a walk sometimes just really made me out of breath and fatigued very quickly. Um, at the time, I went to my doctors to find out what was wrong with me. And I was also having quite heavy menstrual period at the time. And so I thought that because I was having a heavy period and I was later also diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, but I see it's very yeah. common and difficult, yeah. but it's also difficult to diagnose. I know. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And basically because I was bleeding so much and I thought that was an explanation for why I was feeling so fatigued and naturally just working a busy job. Um, mm -hmm. But then I think after it continued for two months, I, I just knew in myself that something was wrong with me. Um, of course, I never thought that it was leukemia. And at mm -hmm. the time I did not know much about it and no one in my family had been diagnosed with cancer. So it was not, it didn't even enter my mind. Um, mm -hmm. And when I was going to the doctors, um, we just, they, I think they initially did assume that it was just, uh, I was anemic. Um, and it was on one of those blood tests when I went to the doctors that they, um, it was just a routine blood test. And I'd had four of them in the past two months that had all come back clear. Mm -hmm. Um, and suddenly I had on my fifth blood test that I took, I came back home and carried on my day and an ambulance called me, um, when I was brushing my teeth to go to bed saying, um, you need to come to an ambulance is on its way to collect you. Um, your blood test results today were abnormal. So you need to come to hospital. Oh. That was scary, but I still, I think part of me still thought that it was just, um, you know, something small and maybe I'd have to stay in hospital overnight. So I packed an overnight bag. Um, 
And they did tell me at the time, my red blood count was very low. So I needed transfusions overnight and I would have to stay overnight. Oh, that low. Um, yeah. So I needed a couple of quite a few, a couple of units of red blood overnight. So, mm-hmm. um, which did again, explain the tiredness and fatigue. Um, and in the morning they said that, um, they would need to do a bone marrow biopsy, um, later that day to find out, um, to look up to, to, um, have a more detailed look at my blood. And again, on that day, I had no idea what a bone marrow biopsy was. And I think if I, oh. you know, and it's, and it's not a nice procedure, um, <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it's awful. But if I if I knew or if I googled it, perhaps I would have been alerted to the fact that they were looking for you know whether it was blood cancer. But I just I really had no clue at the time, so I just yeah. followed through with this procedure. And you know, later that day, the consultant in the room came came to me and told me that I was um, that I had leukemia, and then shortly after, um, told me the type of leukemia that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really difficult, and I think especially being a pandemic, I was alone in a hospital room. Luckily, my husband was able to be with me that day. Uh, I was not allowed to see, you know, my parents or any family members or anyone. So I had to break the news to them over Zoom, which was, you know, just, it was just awful. And um, it made the whole diagnosis part really, really difficult. Um, And then the next day, my husband also had to leave me. And then I was in hospital by myself for the next eight weeks um, because I had to start chemotherapy straight away. So for me, what what I expected to be an overnight stay ended up being, you know, eight weeks in hospital. And when I came out, yeah. And, you know, when I came out the other end, I was totally different to how I went in that day. You know, I went in looking pretty healthy, had long, really long hair. And, um, you know, I came out with you know, my hair had, was starting to fall out. I had lost a lot of weight and just, you know, obviously I was diagnosed with cancer. So it was, um, it was just, especially at the beginning, I think it was really, really, um, difficult. Yeah. That's a lot weighing on you, not just physically, but mentally Yeah, exactly. being, being alone, you know, with, with your cancer diagnosis and then throughout the whole process, it's, you know, incredibly isolating anyway. Um, and then during a pandemic on top of that, just going through it essentially alone. Yeah. You know, talking with people on zoom and and phone calls and you have your nurses and doctors, but Mm -hmm. you know, the normal, um, community and and base that you would normally have around, you couldn't be there. Yeah. Um, so with the eight weeks stay, um, was your husband able to come in again at all ever or no? Not in that initial eight weeks stay. Yeah, I think because it it was the pandemic and also that'd be um, so hard. It was just it was you know at the peak of the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. um, because my um, immune system was completely wiped out by the chemo, I was really susceptible to any infection and especially to COVID. So um, just for my safety, which I did understand, um, but it just made the whole thing a lot more difficult. Yeah. What what was it like being in the hospital like during a pandemic? I think I was more concerned with getting through my chemotherapy. Yeah, the yeah. Um, so I just want—I think you know—I was just so focused on, um, you know, the first round of chemotherapy and dealing with all of the side effects um, that you get with it. Um, mm. But I was always fearful, you know, even with the nurses and the consultants coming in, for example, even mm. for them. 
it was really difficult. Um, and I think in general, all of the staff in the hospital were also fearful because they themselves didn't want to get COVID. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing of people, you know, dying of COVID. And I think I tried to just cut out any negative stories for my mind because I tried to stay as positive as I could. Yeah. Um, and I think my family also accepted that for my safety, it was best um, that everyone just stayed away from me. Um but I think I was also just so tired all of the time um, and so fatigued that most of the time I was sleeping. Um, and thinking back to it now, I think, yes, it was difficult not seeing my family. But at the same time, I think having so many visitors would also have been really tiring. Yeah. Um, and so I think maybe one positive from this was that I was able to fully focus on just myself and getting better. Yeah. You didn't have to like be awake and try to quote exactly. host yeah. somebody coming into exactly. your room. Exactly. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like, even if it's like friends or, or family, like they're like, we don't care. You don't have to keep us, you know, occupied or anything. It's like, no, I got to. Yeah. yeah it's still someone awake. there. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. So your eight weeks stay, you went through, you said just your first round of chemo. While you're in there. Okay. So you released from the hospital. What happened next? Like as, as far as the, um, the treatment plan. Sure. So I had a few weeks break from hospital, which they do give you between rounds of chemotherapy. Um, and I was told that I would need, um, at least two rounds of chemotherapy. So shortly after I went back to hospital for my second round, um, similarly, I had a few weeks break and then started my third round of chemotherapy. And unfortunately, um, during my third round of chemotherapy, um, which was the most intense round, I caught appendicitis in hospital. So I ended up having to stay really long. um, And the doctors were really concerned because at the time when they um, found out that I had appendicitis, I couldn't be operated on because my immune system was so weak. So they had to control it with medication. And so it was quite, I think it made the whole experience in hospital a bit more painful Mm -hmm. and I then had to have surgery a few weeks later to remove my appendix and then had my stem cell transplant in um in February this year okay so every time I was in hospital for my chemotherapy but I did get a few weeks break in between but of course even in those few weeks break that I got because it was um still the pandemic I was isolating at home yeah I couldn't do much (laughs) just going from the hospital to your house yeah uh, but I have to yeah. I felt so free being back home yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the little things <laughs> yeah like, and it just puts everything into perspective because whereas before um and you know some of some people and I would see online or some of my friends would complain about being you know having to isolate at home or um in a small flat for you know the whole time and I would think to myself I'm so grateful now to be isolating at home where you have you know you have all the food that you want yeah. and um, you can just lie on the sofa and not be woken up constantly or disturbed by nurses in the middle of the night. And it just really put things into perspective for me because, you know, majority of the time now I am isolating still at home and we don't have, um, you know, we're in a flat and we don't have a, a garden or outdoor space to ourselves, but still it feels like I have so much freedom um, compared mm-hmm. to just being in one hospital room. Yeah. It's definitely the comfort of home. And I feel in, I've, I've spoken with other, um, cancer survivors about this in my episodes. It's just, it having cancer changes your perspective on life, but you even took it to the next level, like the pandemic, like it changed your perspective on the pandemic. You're like, I'm happy to be at home. I'm happy to be on my couch. Exactly. Doing anything. I have the fridge full of food, whatever I need. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's, it's, Definitely. it's incredible the way your perspective can change and for you to see the positive side of, of yeah. being stuck at home, quote unquote, but that's Definitely. a good thing. It's, it's really sad that sometimes you have to go through something so difficult in life to make you see that perspective, but I think it forces you to, and um, I, that's why I try and, you know, share my learnings with those around me and hopefully they can learn from me and it will help them to be um, positive and also realize um, to be more grateful for the things that you perhaps take for granted. But until they're so close to being taken away, um, mm. you realize that. Absolutely. hundred percent. So you had mentioned, um, I don't know too much about it. You t- talked about a stem, stem cell transplant. Can you explain like the, the procedure of it and what exactly it means? Yeah, sure. So I think for a lot of leukemia patients, often you can be treated with chemotherapy alone. Okay. But for me, because of the aggressive type of leukemia I had, and it's actually one of the rarest forms of leukemia as well. Yeah, um, chemotherapy alone, the doctors believed would not be strong enough to reduce the risk of the cancer coming back at some point. So while I was in remission from the chemotherapy, there was a high risk that left alone, the cancer would come back within, you know, even a few months. So a a stem cell transplant is when you are, your immune system is basically um, renewed with the stem cells of a donor um, who has to be a match to you. um, And they find the match according to your blood type, they, Mm -hmm. by your blood type. Um, And it's an amazing um, process and incredible to see how it, how it works. Um, and I think the first step, um, the first stage of a stem cell transplant process is finding a donor that's a suitable match for you. Because without that, some people and many people don't have a chance of cure or recovery from this. Um, and unfortunately for me, actually, I did not have a match on the global registry, which was really worrying. Mm. And I think for Asian and ethnic minorities in particular, they often struggle with this because it's those communities that one, maybe don't know enough about blood cancer and two, aren't aware of even being or how to join the donor registries. Mm -hmm. And so there just aren't enough of them on the register. So that was really scary for me. And um, the second step is if you have siblings, they can be tested um, to see if they are a match. And luckily, one of my siblings was a a match and could be used. So I just felt so lucky to have siblings and have that option to at least have a stem cell transplant. So I had that in February this year. And since then, and since going through that experience, I think a whole part of my journey post-transplant has been educating others on how to become a potential donor and the importance of doing so. Because I think with a stem cell transplant, unlike other transplants, you don't lose an organ of your body. So you don't have something taken away from your body. And there's a misconception um, that when often you hear the word transplant and you just think it's a really long, scary procedure and you're giving something up. And often that is the case, you know, with a kidney transplant, mm-hmm. et cetera. But with a, with a stem cell transplant, it's it's not such a tough process. Um, and you do have to stay in hospital, but often it can be just for my, a few hours, for example. Um, and you don't lose anything that your body can't make again. So it's amazing it's an amazing way to be able to potentially save someone's life um and i just really hope that more asian and ethnic minority communities are encouraged 
to do so and do learn more about it because there are many, many people who may not have a sibling. And even if you do have a sibling, actually, more than 70% of the time, they are not a perfect match. So it's really, it's really important to have more of a bigger variety of people on the registries. With what you're saying, like, I find that so interesting because I'm a a donor, a registered donor on Be The Match. That's Uh, amazing. Yeah. And I've been doing it for, I don't know, as as long as I can remember, I just re-upped. The reason I did is uh, my friend's husband had leukemia several times throughout his life and he almost died the third time. And I was like, you know what, if I can register and if I can donate, great. But I happened to talk to one of the, the board members. I was, I don't know how I got in contact with her, but I was chatting with her and I was just saying like, it's really weird. I, I'd never gotten a call. I've been doing it for like eight-ish years. And she's like, you know, actually who we look for is more of like ethnic minority, like um, of Asian descent, of African, mm-hmm. African descent, like African-Americans, Asians, like they're looking, especially males, they're looking for more males because <laughs> that's what they need. And they're like, you know, uh, white European, typically yeah. we don't need it as much. And I was like, oh, yeah. that, okay, I guess that makes sense on why yeah. I was never called. But I think it's so important in the fact that you are advocating for this, for people to go check it out, become a donor, get on the registry, you know, just, it's a little piece of you. Like you said a spit, you send a spit sample in, I think. Yeah. And it will take five minutes. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, I had mentioned be the match. Do you know, uh, like, is there a different registry that you had looked through or, um, yeah. Um, so there are two other ones, which are Anthony Noland and DKMS okay. and both of them are, you know, they do a similar thing and, you know, it's very, it's pretty easy to sign up. And I think, um, another problem they have is that many people, contact them to receive their test pack um but not many people actually complete it and send it back so yeah and and it really yeah and it really doesn't take that long um and it's quite a simple process so um I just hope I really do hope and pray and unfortunately I think with this it's when you know someone who's been diagnosed that's close to you often that's what actually encourages people to get on the register register and often in many cases, it can be too late, um, you know, for that person, but you can also help, um, you know, someone else. And and that's why I think if I go through this, if I can help save one person's life through this, that just gives me so much more purpose to what I've been through. Um, and that's why I think it's really important. And I do hope after this, I can continue in some way to continue encouraging those communities to sign up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's so important. And if it just changes one person's life, it makes their life better. It's, it makes it worth it. And, um, there are so many people out there that like have amazing lives and, and we're just dealt a bad card Mm -hmm. and they don't have a a donor out there. Like, it's just like, you you can help change somebody's life for the better by doing something so simple. And it, it blows me away that people take the time to get the packet sent to them because you have to go online and, yeah. and enter in your information and they never send it back because it's a prepaid envelope too. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know whether they just get busy with other things. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for all those out there that haven't sent their envelope back in, make sure you please do. do. <laughs> please do. And um, also in the episode notes, I'll add um, the different registries that you had uh, t- talked about. That would be amazing. Thank you so and then much. people can check that out. And if they're interested in donating or just to learn more, yeah. Um, yeah. That 
please check it out. Um, there's, like you said, a kind of a big stigma um, around it. Um, like it's this big, huge, painful procedure. When I think about Be The Match, it's going for, you know, like your bone marrow. I hear that doesn't feel good, but for me, I was like, it's just a little bit of pain for me for a little bit. You know, somebody, yeah. somebody who's going through a lot more is dealing with a lot more pain than yeah. this, like this big needle. Yeah. But, um, yeah. There's a lot of stigma around it. And if um, just do your research on it, the, I know um, medicine has come a long way with how they test and how they do the procedures yeah. too. So um, it's, it's super interesting. And I love that you're advocating for this and educating people. Oh. Yeah. Um, so with, uh, I guess going through like the, the chemo, the radiation, uh, the stem, stem cell transplant, since basically since February, how has recovery been? Like what's, I know we're still kind of somewhat in lockdown. I, I can't remember what kind of stage you guys are in over there. We're hitting another flare over here. Um, but right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what is like home life been? What's your relationship been, uh, basically post-treatment and in this recovery period? So it was really difficult, actually, and it has been difficult. And I think many cancer patients say this, but during your time in hospital, everything moves so fast and you're so focused on just getting through treatment that often you don't realize the long-term side effects and the mental impact until you're actually at home and you're no longer in the safety almost of your nurses and consultants and hospital and you get home and you're all alone and actually dealing with so many side effects um so I, when I initially came home the first two to three months after the transplant I was really suffering from fatigue so I would sleep all night all day and just wake up to have my meals um so this fatigue was really difficult initially it started it has started to get better although I do have down days um and I've started to see a therapist also just for my own mental health because I think I found it quite difficult being home and just realizing how different my body was to how it was before. Um, and just, you have so many worries when you come home. And I think, you know, there's constant fear of every time you have a scan. Um, I'm, I'm currently waiting for my six month scan results and I, I can't stop thinking about it. And it's the fear of, will it return? And anytime you, you know, you sneeze or, you feel you feel sick or you have a bad tummy and any symptom you have you worry you know is is this a sign that the cancer is coming back will I need to be rushed to hospital and it really does affect so many aspects of your life mm-hmm. another part I think was I'm a really I'm, I'm I'm and I've always been a people person so once I came out of hospital I was really excited to be able to see my friends and family again and many of them who had been there for me throughout my diagnosis, but I had not been able to see them. So I was so excited for that. But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, um, I'm still isolating and I have to be very careful meeting people. So I can meet people outside from a distance um, and not be, I can't, I can't hug my friends. So on my 30th birthday, it was really difficult not being able to hug my parents and um you know but you have to make those sacrifices for your health and that's what I think I've learned to do is that I have to slow down and you know while you want your body to be back to where it was quickly I've just learned that it's going to take longer than I thought it was and Mm -hmm. I, I just have to let my body recover so I think it's 
learning really to slow down and just learning that you have to make sacrifices and this is not a short-term thing unfortunately but it, it can take a lot of time so life after treatment is difficult but there are positives and you know I've met some incredible people through my cancer journey and since I've I'm home while we can't meet people in person. Um, one of the benefits of social media is that through Instagram and um, cancer support charities um, that have support sessions online, I've been able to meet such amazing and inspiring um, cancer survivors. And they really provide the inspiration that you need when you're down. And they also just understand you. And so I think speaking to other cancer p- patients has really helped me since I've been at home because often the people around you don't as much as they try they don't really understand what you're going through um and it's not it's not their fault at all it's just that they haven't been through what you've been through so I would say life after treatment is really full of ups and downs um and something I've learned is on the days when you're feeling good and you have some energy you learn to make the most of those days because you never know what your next day is going to be like. And now when I have some energy, I will go for my walk and get my coffee and um, you know, speak to my friends and family because I know that the next day could be a day where I'm in bed the whole day and I don't have the energy to go outside or and I don't have the energy to even call my parents. So um, I just try and make the most of the days when I'm feeling better. Yeah. It's, it's like a living each day to the fullest. Like it, it really is. It's a new appreciation of life, but then you're also fully taking advantage of your day. You're not taking yeah. like anything for granted. Like, Hey, I feel good today. I'm taking advantage of this. And this, that's not like what yeah. um, somebody who is, is dealing with cancer ever thinks about. And it really does like make somebody look at the world and life a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that's, it's really cool that you've a, identified it and B are, are um, taking advantage of it, utilizing it. And you had spoken on like um, social media, different support groups and, you know, different foundations that are out there. Um, I think it's, I think it's great that even though we are still kind of isolating um, that you're finding a community out there for you to talk to and for people who have been there and who are going through something similar to you. Cause I think to be able to identify with somebody else and share your story with somebody who gets it is exactly. really important. Exactly. And I think being in a, um, being diagnosed in a pandemic for many cancer patients means that we don't have the ability to meet other patients in a hospital. Mm-hmm. So you know, my consultants told me that if it wasn't for COVID, I would be able to go to the um, hangout room and be able to chat to the other leukemia patients. And that would have really helped, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I just didn't have that um, throughout my treatment. And I do hope that one day, um, you know, we we get through this and um, cancer patients, you know, any type of cancer, that they do have someone that they can um, speak to who has been diagnosed with what they've been through. Because especially when you're initially diagnosed, you have so many questions, um, but I think you would trust another patient who's been through what you've been through more than you even would a consultant sometimes because, um, and you know, maybe you'd feel more confident asking them questions that maybe you're afraid to ask the consultant, etc. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm on a buddy scheme now um, with Leukemia Care where they are an amazing charity and they, they try and um, buddy you up with someone else who has been diagnosed with your exact form of um, cancer and they are, you are able to you know, share your experiences etc and I think that's um, another amazing thing that we can do through 
Zoom and we don't have to meet up in person to do that. Really, there's a lot of really great resources out there. And I'm so glad that you've been able to find them. And then also for everybody who's listening, I'm just going to list ones that you have found, like you're saying leukemia care. Is that what it's called? Okay, I'll list the link for that too. People can check out that are currently um, recently diagnosed with leukemia, currently throughout the leukemia um, uh, treatment process as well, or even survivor on the other side. So yeah, anybody who's listening, um, I'm going to add those resources to my episode notes as well. So um, you're saying like how having to isolate, you can be outside, you have to give some space if you meet somebody, you can't do anything inside or go places essentially with, with your husband, like, has he had to isolate as well? Not, yeah, he he couldn't do as, as much either. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just me and him. So um, he also has to be really careful. Um, He actually took time off completely from work since, since the day I was diagnosed because, um, and I felt so lucky to have him, um, you know, he was my support from the, from day one. um, But he actually just stopped work and he, he was focused on helping me get better. And um, only recently he went back to work again which I think has been really good because it was a sign of some sort of return to normality for us um and he has luckily been able to work from home um but he also has to isolate so obviously he hasn't been able to also um perhaps meet his friends as much as he would have liked to and I think that would have been a nice um support system for him at at a difficult time um so I think and in the on one hand, that's difficult. But on the other hand, I think it's made us closer because we've always had to just um, be together and be strong together and just um, face all the, you know, the ups and downs of this together. And, yeah. um, you know, it's us against this cancer. So that's been our mentality. Yeah, he's he's truly your partner. Like, and yeah. I, I love, I love that he, he has been there and, you know, he's going through all the steps too. And that, that's, a beautiful selfless act right there in itself and for you for you to have such a, an amazing supportive partner is is huge to, especially going throughout this whole experience 100%. during a pandemic just to have that person is is truly special mm-hmm. um how you know like I, I i do talk about a little bit with caretakers um in my in my podcast and you know mad mad respect for caretakers out there like thank you to all the caretakers who are taking care of of us as, as we go through, um, our, our treatments and, and surgeries and everything like that, how I guess like everything happens so fast in the yeah. hospital, you're focusing on surviving and everything like that coming out the other side. How, how has it been? Like you both, like, were you able to talk about it? Did, was it like, I guess, like kind of weird to, to start the conversation. How, how did he do? Like, was, was he okay? Did he end up talking to somebody as well? Just because his wife was diagnosed with leukemia. It was honestly, it was a complete shock to both of us initially, but we have just such a strong friendship and relationship that we both knew that we would be there for each other and somehow we would get through this. And that remains our, um, you know, mentality throughout this. But I think, it was really difficult seeing him so upset. And I think a cancer diagnosis is not just a diagnosis for you, but it completely affects him in every way. You know, he may not go through the treatment in hospital and, and the side effects that I go through, but 
really it's a he he's affected by everything you know in every way when I feel sick or when I'm vomiting or when I need to be taken to hospital it takes up his day as well and when I'm really down of course it gets him down um so it was really upsetting to see and it was the first time I think I'd ever seen him so upset of, of course um but we are both really lucky because we have an amazing support system of friends and family and he was definitely able to have people who he was able to speak to uh, you know when I was in hospital sometimes and couldn't um and he has been so strong throughout this and um he always says you know me being positive has really helped him to get through it because I've always been a positive person and I think throughout treatment I really use that aspect of my my personality even more um and I really just try to be headstrong and just think you know I'm going to get through this and um be positive for those around me. Um, but of course, you know, there are times when you can't be, and he's been the one who's seen me um, when I'm in my most pain and on the days where I actually lose faith. Um, and, you know, on the days where I have fears about my life and the future, um, he is the one that comforts me and, um, you know, helps me to, to have that positive mindset. So um, we both, I think, been affected by it in a similar way in that we both have a much greater appreciation of life now and we um in many ways it's really strange but we both say we lead a happier life now than we did before I was diagnosed because we don't need the big things or expensive items or you know to make us happy but we're just happy on the days where we get told by the hospital that my blood my blood results are fine and we're at home watching Netflix and having a takeout and you know the smallest things make us happy and we're just so content together um and I think in many ways it's you know this has definitely opened our eyes and he's similar he he's a corporate lawyer so he was working crazy hours um before and I don't think he prioritized his health as much um but going through uh, my diagnosis has definitely also I think awakened him to realize the importance of also prioritizing your health and your sleep and I've seen him also um change the way that he works so you know there are there are positives from this um but of course it's just been as difficult and I and I agree with you I think for all caregivers and family members um you know both our parents could not be there for us but they helped in many ways and they would send us food you know constantly throughout treatment um they would pick up and make long journeys just to do things for us and um I think mentally as well they they found it really difficult and even my mom took time off work because she just could not you know she found it really difficult to deal with it so it's really sad that um a, a cancer diagnosis does affect all the people close to you um which is really and and it's also just living with uncertainty for not only yourself but all of them so whereas before maybe we would make plans for you know the next year or two years and we've all just learned to live in the moment and know that you have to sometimes just trust God's timing and not be so rigid on on um you know certain time frames etc and you are where you are um and the right time when it's the right time for you um you know, all the things that you want to happen will eventually happen, but you know, you just have to trust the timing. Yeah. Trust the process. Yeah. Well, it just warms my heart. Oh. <laughs> everything you said, like, you know, about your husband and your family and everything they did and, and the outlook that you guys do have, I think is, is really beautiful. And not everybody has that outlook 
And mm-hmm. just to kind of almost be reminded talking with you right now, like about like the stupid little things that I get upset about is just like, I need yeah. to remember like, yeah, it's not that, I- that the dog is like tap dancing around the room in the middle of the night. Yeah. Even when I do yeah. get upset at yeah. small things now, yeah. I have to quickly remind myself and click out of it. And I yeah. just have to say, I cannot let this take up my day because yeah. I have to I have to make sure that today I do something and fill my time with activities that I'm happy with and um even now you know we may bicker about something and whereas before perhaps we, it would like take up our whole day and you know even if we have a disagreement or anything we just snap out of it and make up really quickly because honestly life is too short for things that don't matter um and so um even for me you know whereas before I would get upset um you know, I was, I was a very sensitive person and I would cry very easily over the smallest things. And I would get upset if my coffee order was wrong or, you know, things like that. And now I laugh about it and, you know, get on with my day. So um, it changes your life in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like full, like 360, everything. And um, I love, I love hearing your outlook on it and, and the appreciation that you do have towards life because it is very short and especially when you're you're handed um, a large hurdle throughout it, especially as a young woman, you said you just turned thirty. Yes. Yeah, and as a young woman, and you have so much more life to live, and I love your appreciation towards it and um, zest for it. So I really I appreciate your outlook and everything that you've shared with us. Um, I think for me, this is a really good spot to ask you. Like throughout, you've given advice, especially like saying like appreciate life. It's the little things and move past. Like you said, click out. I love that. Click out of it. Yeah. Um, do you have any more advice for the listeners out there? Whether it's for somebody going through cancer, um, a family member, like family members, caretakers, whomever is listening out there. What kind of advice do you have for everybody? Definitely. I think what helped me really get through treatment is have things to look forward to and have things to fight for. So when I was in treatment, I knew that I had a loving family and husband that I needed to get better for and I needed to fight for because we had so much more in life still to do together. And I think when people don't have something to fight for, I think it makes it quite difficult to get through treatment because you can easily really become fed up and disheartened and scared and frightened. And it's really important to have that mindset that where you want to fight for your health and, you know, and having things to look forward to, whether it's just, you know, getting back to your family um, or, you know, your dream holiday, things like that. I think it just gives you something to really fight for um, when you're going through such difficult times. Mm -hmm. I would say another thing is just always be open with how you're feeling and any symptoms or health conditions you may have. I think many people get so busy in their life. Um, And I mean, our lives are always busy and, you know, we work every day and then we come back and we're tired and we try and fit in a workout and dinner and everything else on top of that. And I think, um, you know, I see it in so many people around me where they will have something niggling at them and they know their body's not right, but they will just put it off, put it off until it gets so bad that, um, you know, they have to go to the doctors when perhaps it could have been prevented or treated much earlier. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would always encourage those around me and anyone, you know, even going through cancer treatment, often um, I had I had an example recently where I was actually at home um, and I had a stomach problem, which I put to the back of my mind and just tried to ignore for one week. And 
after a week, I called the doctors and I was so bad that I ended up having to stay in hospital, actually, um, because they had to. I was so dehydrated that they had to put so many um, fluids back in my body and just look after me until I got better. Whereas they said if you had come, you know, a week ago, it could have been treated overnight and with medication and you wouldn't have had to stay in hospital. So it definitely taught me that, you know, if you have anything I know it can be scary sometimes speaking up because you're just afraid of the worst, but it's always better to be vocal about something that you don't feel is right with you because often um, it may be something bigger and hopefully it's not, but it's always important to just get it treated um, quicker. And I know before I also, um, I was so busy working that often, even if I wanted to see the doctor or had a health concern, I would try to push it back as much as possible or often put it off because I was so busy with other things but now I would always say to prioritize that and um, I think nothing is more important than your health. Absolutely that's that's such a a perfect statement to end with with all the advice nothing's more important than your health. I mean you know you you were and I only learned this afterwards as well but I was working so hard and um I thought, what am I working for? You know, if, if your health is not there um, and your health is not good, then you actually won't be able to enjoy um, the, what you're working hard for. So always, um, you know, never put something off. Absolutely. That's that's fantastic advice. And that's for anybody, whether you're going through cancer, whether you're not. And it's just yeah. it's all encompassing and it's perfect. Yeah. Um, so for everybody who's listening out there, take that advice. <laughs> And apply it to your life. And uh, Bonsri, thank you yes. so much for sharing your story. I, for me, um, I, I learned a lot from from you regarding leukemia, as well as just your outlook on life was really refreshing and very much needed for my side of things. So today oh. you are the person that you affected. <laughs> so thank you for, for helping open my eyes again to, you know, not worrying about the little things and appreciating each day. Like I did need that reset button. So thank oh. you. Um, going before we close things off is there anything else you'd like to share and then also is there a way that people can find you or reach out to you definitely um so my instagram is bansri here and i do share um parts of my story and experience on my instagram um so people are more than welcome to um message me on there if they have any questions themselves or if they themselves have been diagnosed um i always try and help other people that i know are going through this because i i know firsthand how much um support that can give someone um so yeah definitely through my instagram um and i would just say you know, to everyone out there, if you can join the donor registries, if you can um, give blood and you're healthy enough to do so, please consider doing so. Because honestly, I may not have been here if I didn't have a donor um, match to do my stem cell transplant. So I just really hope um, this has opened up and hopefully help to educate some people on that aspect as well. It absolutely has. And uh, please do consider donating. Uh, Once again, I will place that in the episode notes for you to learn a little bit more about it and then possibly click that donate button and get your your sample packet sent to you. But um, Bansri, thank you so much for coming on. It was truly a pleasure. You're a lovely person inside and out. Um, Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm I'm so (laughs) glad we were able to connect. And um, I look forward to following your story, your process. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are always be with you and, and, and how you progress and continue to get better and feel better and better and better.
Thank you so much. And I look forward to continuing to listen to your podcast and hopefully meet other cancer. Yeah, <laughs> it's truly is an amazing community. And like whether you, you share the same type of cancer or not, um, everybody's so amazing and so welcoming and just so awesome to each other. Well, thank you again for being on this evening. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your night and the rest of your weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you.